Chapter 41 of Whispering Smith by Frank Spearman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 41 Dixie's Ride. When Lance Dunny entered the room ten minutes later, Dixie stood at the telephone. But the ten minutes of that interval had made quite another creature of his cousin. The wires were down, and no one from any quarter gave a response to her frantic ringing. Through the receiver she could hear only the sweep of the rain and the harsh crackle of the wind. Sometimes praying, sometimes fainting, and sometimes despairing, she stood clinging to the instrument, ringing and pounding upon it like one frenzied. Lance looked at her in amazement. "'Why, God Almighty, Dixie, what's the matter?' He called twice to her before she turned, and her words almost stunned him. "'Why did you not detain Sinclair here tonight? "'Why did you not arrest him?' "'Lance's sombrero raked heavily to one side of his face, "'and one end of his moustache running up much higher on the other "'did not begin to express his astonishment. "'Arrest him? Arrest Sinclair? "'Dixie, are you crazy? "'Why the devil should I arrest Sinclair? "'Do you suppose I'm going to mix up in a fight like this?' Do you think I want to get killed? The level-headed man in this country just at present is the man who can keep out of trouble, and the man who succeeds, let me tell you, has got more than plenty to do. Lance, getting no answer but a fierce, searching gaze from Dixie's wild eyes, laid his hand on a chair, lighted a cigar, and sat down before the fire. Dixie dropped the telephone receiver, put her hand to her girdle, and looked at him. When she spoke, her tone was stinging. You know that man is going to Medicine Bend to kill his wife. Lance took the cigar from his mouth and returned her look. I know no such thing, he growled curtly, and to kill George McLeod if he can. He stared without reply. You heard him say so, persisted Dixie vehemently. Lance crossed his legs and threw back the brim of his hat. McLeod is nobody's fool. He'll look out for himself. These fiendish wires to Medicine Bend are down. Why hasn't this line been repaired? She cried, wringing her hands. There's no way to give warning to anyone that he's coming, and you have let him go. Lance whirled in his chair. Damnation! Could I keep him from going? You did not want to. You're keeping out of trouble. What do you care whom he kills tonight? You've gone crazy, Dixie. Your imagination has upset your reason. Whether he kills anybody tonight or not, it's too late now to make a row about it, exclaimed Lance, throwing his cigar angrily away. He won't kill us. And you expect me to sit by and fold my hands while that wretch shreds more blood, do you? It can't be helped. I say it can be helped. I can help it. I will help it, as you could have done if you had wanted to. I will ride to Medicine Bend tonight and help it. Lance jumped to his feet with a string of oaths. Well, this is the limit. He pointed his finger at her. Dixie Dunning, you won't stir out of this house tonight. Her face hardened. How dare you speak in that way to me? Who are you that you order me what to do, where to stay? Am I your cowboy to be defiled with your curses? He looked at her in amazement. She was only eighteen. 
he would still face her down. I'll tell you who I am. I am master here, and you will do as I tell you. You'll ride to Medicine Bend tonight, will you? He struck the table with his clenched fist. Do you hear me? I say, by God, not a horse shall leave this ranch in this storm tonight to go anywhere for anybody or with anybody. Then I say to you, this ranch is my ranch, and these horses are my horses. From this hour forth I will order them to go and come when and where I please. She stepped toward him. Henceforward I am mistress here. Do you hear me? Henceforward I give orders in Crawling Stone House, and everyone under this roof takes orders from me. Dixie, what do you mean? For God's sake, you're not going to try to ride. She swept from the room. What happened afterwards she could never recall. Who got Jim for her or whether she got the horse up herself? What was said to her in low, kindly words of warning by the man at Jim's neck when she sprang into the saddle? Who the man was, she could not have told. All she felt at last was that she was free, and out under the black sky, with the rain beating her burning face and her horse leaping fearfully into the wind. No man could have kept the trail to the pass that night. The horse took it as if the path flashed in sunshine, and swung into the familiar stride that had carried her so many times over the twenty miles ahead of them. The storm driving into Dixie's face cooled her. Every moment she recollected herself better, and before her mind all the aspects of her venture ranged themselves. She had set herself to a race, and against her rode the hardest rider in the mountains. She had set herself to what few men on the range would have dared, and what no other woman on the range could do. Why have I learned to ride, went the question through her mind, if not for this, for those I love and for those who love me? Sinclair had a start, she well knew, but not so much for a night like this night. He would ride to kill those he hated. She would ride to save those she loved. Her horse already was on the elbow grade. She knew it from his shorter spring, a lithe creeping spring that had carried her out of deep canyons and up long draws where other horses walked. The wind lessened and the rain drove less angrily in her face. She patted Jim's neck with her wet glove and checked him as tenderly as a lover to give him courage and breath. She wanted to be part of him as he strove, for the horror of the night began to steal on the edge of her thoughts. A gust drove into her face. They were already at the head of the pass, and the horse, with level ground underfoot, was falling into the long reach, but the wind was colder. Dixie lowered her head and gave Jim the rein. She realized how wet she was. Her feet and her knees were wet. She had no protection but her skirt, though the meanest rider on all her countless acres would not have braved a mile in such a night without leather and fur. The great lapels of her riding jacket, reversed, were buttoned tight across her shoulders, and the double fold of fur lay warm and dry against her heart and lungs. But her hands were cold, and her skirt dragged leaden and cold from her waist, and water soaked in upon her chilled feet. She knew she ought to have thought of these things. 
she planned as though swept in a moving picture across her brain how she would have prepared again for such a ride with her cowboy costume that she had once masqueraded in for marion with leggings of buckskin and chaps of long white silken wool it was no masquerade now she was riding in deadly earnest and her lips closed to shut away a creeping feeling that had started from her heart and left her shivering she became conscious of how fast she was going instinct made keen by thousands of saddle miles told dixie of her terrific pace she was riding faster than she would have dared go at noonday and without thought or fear of accident in spite of the sliding and the plunging down the long hill the storm and the darkness brought no thought of fear for herself her only fear was for those ahead in supreme moments a horse like a man when human efforts become superhuman puts the lesser dangers out of reckoning and the faculties set on a single purpose though strained to the breaking point never break low in her saddle dixie tried to reckon how far they had come and how much lay ahead she could feel her skirt stiffening about her knees and the rain beating at her face was sharper she knew the sleet as it stung her cheeks and she knew what next was coming the snow there was no need to urge jim he had the rein, and dixie bent down to speak to him as she often spoke when they were alone on the road when jim bolting almost threw her recovering instantly she knew they were no longer alone she rose alert in her seat her straining eyes could see nothing was there a sound in the wind she held her breath to listen but before she could apprehend jim leaped violently ahead dixie screamed in an agony of terror she knew then that she had passed another rider and so close she might have touched him fear froze her to the saddle it lent wings to her horse the speed became wild dixie knit herself to her dumb companion and a prayer choked in her throat she crouched lest a bullet tear her from her horse but through the darkness no bullet came only the sleet stinging her face stiffening her gloves freezing her hair chilling her limbs and weighing her like lead on her struggling horse she knew not even sinclair could overtake her now that no living man could lay a hand on her bridle rein and she pulled jim in down the winding hills to save him for the long flat when they struck it they had but four miles to go across the flat the wind drove in fury reflection thought and reason were beginning to leave her she was crying to herself quietly as she used to cry when she lost herself a mere child riding among the hills she was praying meaningless words snow purred softly on her cheeks the cold was soothing her senses unable at last to keep her seat on the horse she stopped him slipped stiffly to the ground and struggling through the wind as she held fast to the bridle and the horn half walked and half ran to start the blood through her benumbed veins she struggled until she could drag her mired feet no farther and tried to draw herself back into the saddle it was almost beyond her 
She sobbed and screamed at her helplessness. At last she managed to climb flounderingly back into her seat, and, bending her stiffened arms to Jim's neck, she moaned and cried to him. When again she could hold her seat no longer, she fell to the horse's side, dragged herself along in the frozen slush, and, screaming with the pain of her freezing hands, drew herself up into the saddle. She knew that she dare not venture this again, that if she did so she could never remount. She felt now that she should never live to reach Medicine Bend. She rode on and on and on. Would it never end? She begged God to send a painless death to those she rode to save, and when the prayer passed her failing senses a new terror awakened her, for she found herself falling out of the saddle. With excruciating torment she recovered her poise. Reeling from side to side she fought the torpor away. Her mind grew clearer and her tears had ceased. She prayed for a light the word caught between her stiffened lips, and she mumbled it till she could open them wide and scream it out. Then came a sound like the beating of great drums in her ears. It was the crash of Jim's hoofs on the river bridge, and she was in Medicine Bend. A horse galloping low and heavily slewed through the snow from Fort Street into Boney, and, where it had so often stopped before, dashed up on the sidewalk in front of the little shop. The shock was too much for its unconscious rider, and shot headlong from her saddle, Dixie was flung, bruised and senseless, against Marion's door. End of chapter 41